On today's show, we had to wait just a little while. We missed out on day one, but Brook Lopez eventually is reportedly set to return to Milwaukee on a dollar amount that maybe was a little bit more than projected. We'll get into what that means for the Bucks. We'll also talk about Jay Crowder. It looks like he might be returning to Milwaukee for uh, a proper season. He didn't really get the opportunity last time. And then the Bucks still have a few roster spots and most of the big names or the targeted names that we've discussed are gone. So what are the Bucks going to do at the end of the roster? Let's talk about it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN and alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com promo code locked on. Uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or listen of every single weekday. This is episode sixteen hundred, which uh, I don't, I don't know if the, <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone out there that has listened to sixteen hundred episodes of this podcast. But if you have, uh, you are the ultimate sicko. But we love our everydayers, particularly during the off season when we're going through all the free agency stuff and the roster moves. The Bucks still with a couple of positions to go, so we appreciate the support. Uh, drop a like, a comment, subscribe, follow leave a rating or a review, whatever podcast uh, platform you listen to the show on or on YouTube. We appreciate the support. It's free to do, and it really helps us. We signed off on Friday night, Frank, wondering, maybe more hoping, that some Brook Lopez news would come through as we were recording. It did not happen. We had to wait until Saturday, and we had to wait a fair while into Saturday to hear that Brook Lopez reportedly set to sign a two-year $48 million contract to come back to the Milwaukee Bucks. On one hand, thrilled to see that Brook Lopez is back because if he doesn't come back, you're in a significant amount of trouble at that position. Uh, but secondly, this was a higher dollar amount than we had projected and certainly you had projected, Frank, as you went through uh, some of the mock off-seasons and what flexibility the Bucks could potentially get in a situation where they don't have a lot of room to move. Yeah, I think... You know, this was the challenge coming in is I think a month ago, you know, I started this whole exercise. I had to kind of guess at what some numbers might look like <laughs> for the purposes of, you know, the spreadsheet math. And at the time, what I kind of just put in as a placeholder was Chris Middleton at 35 million starting salary. Because remember, when all this started, Chris was the one who was sort of the hotter name with the Houston Rockets, ironically. Uh, and I put Brooke in just as a starting point at his max extension number, which was the number that he basically he could get extended at before June 30th, which was starting at just under $17 million, $55 million total um, contract value over three years. Again, three years being the, the longest that he could sign for. So those two combined, you know, put you at close to $52 million um, in terms of total salary. And then sort of as we've been discussing over the past few weeks, it became clear that. Chris probably was coming in a fair bit under that 
based on some of the discussion, potentially even coming under 30 million in terms of starting salary. Whereas Brooke obviously had become a much hotter name. So the assumption was that Brooke's number was sliding up. I think probably as of a few days ago, three years, 60 million. That's what the number I had in there. It seemed like, you know, other people were guessing something similar. And then I don't, I don't know how much we need to blame the Chicago Bulls for giving Nikola Vucevic <laughs> three years and $60 million. Yeah. It seems like, you know, no team in the league valued Nikola Vucevic at that number. Uh, but the Bulls just can't help themselves. Arturis Karnasovas um, infamously saying that he thought that trade had worked out pretty well for them. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it has not. Uh, the deal that sent out Wendell Carter and the picks that became um, Franz Wagner and uh, whoever they got. Well, I guess I guess technically was the uh, the Jet Howard was it Jet Howard I think technically this year that 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 pick became so. Um, so anyway, so the market got a bit of a push. We saw Jakob Pertl, um, I always say, I've come to say Pertl now, Pertl, um, from more proper German. But um, but that that deal came out at 480. I think, you know, he was a guy that I was hearing more of like, you know, he'll get like 18 million a year. He gets 20 million a year over four years. So it, it did seem like the center market, you know, nudged upward um, here over the past week. And again, perhaps... Due to the Vucevic contract, perhaps not. But Brooke Lopez coming in at two years, forty-eight million, I think, is notable for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the the per year total notably higher. Um, you know, when you look at Chris plus plus Brooke, uh, if we assume that Chris is going to start at around thirty-one and a half, with max raises to get to his hundred two million, we haven't heard. There may be some like unlikely incentives there that like push that over hundred million. You know, we'll see. Um, Bucks haven't done a ton of that. Like Grayson Allen has some incentives in his contract, um, which the Bucks gave him. Uh, Drew has famously, for mm. cap nerds, a ton of incentives, but those were because they came in his contract that he had in New Orleans originally. And then when he got extended, they had to carry over basically the same similar incentive structure in the extension that he signed with the Bucks. So we got stuck with <laughs> those weird extension uh, incentives that that Drew got, but. We'll see, but let's just say for sake of argument that Chris's number is 102 million, all guaranteed, no incentives, et cetera. That would say his starting salary probably somewhere around 31.5, assuming 8% raises over three years. Brooke, let's assume maybe it's about 23 million, perhaps a shade over 23 million. So that puts you at you know 54 and a half um, total. And I think the number we'd been discussing obviously was hey to to be able to basically you know make a play probably keep Jay Crowder and have a shot at using the tax pyramid level of $5 million probably meant that you had to keep Chris and Brooke under 50, you know, call it 49 million. Obviously they end up at 54.5. So not surprisingly, um, the ability to use that tax pyramid level has, uh, has kind of gone by the wayside. And honestly, I mean, part of the challenge here was even if Brooke had come in, let's say at 18 million starting salary, part of the challenge was, I mean, it took, you know, I mean, again, Time flies in in terms of NBA, um, in NBA free agencies, right? So, just taking 24 hours to get that deal done um, meant that a number of guys that you might have looked at as potential targets for the tax mid level were already off the board. You know, a bunch of the guys that you know we, we already said it wasn't an impressive list um, that <laughs> were available, but a bunch of those guys, you know, flew off the board pretty quickly. Whether it was you know Shake Milton, um, Troy Brown. Nikhil Alexander Walker, ironically, all those guys going to Minnesota. So shout out to Minnesota. 
Um, and you know, but it is what it is. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can get caught up in sort of the, the minutia of, you know, where the contracts ended up, what that meant means for the bucks moving forward this off season in terms of, you know, a, a significant lack of flexibility in terms of filling out the roster, pretty much just minimums at this point after Crowder has signed being the last kind of bird free agent option they had, but let's not lose kind of the, the, the headline here. Losing Brooke Lopez would have been a disaster, right? Yes. They may have gotten the, the full taxpayer or the full non-tax mid-level back, but you weren't going to be able to take $12 million a year and replace what Brooke Lopez means to this team, what he has meant to this team. Um, and obviously I think as fans, you know, also just like Brooke Lopez, the person Brooke Lopez, the locker room presence that he is, um, you know, he's a, he's a really irreplaceable guy in a lot of ways, right? He's not the best center in the world or something like that, but he had a phenomenal year last year, as we've been saying the best year of his career at the age of 35, how replicable that is, you know, again, you'd expect some drop off, but he was so good last year that even if he drops off a bit in these next two years, he's going to earn that money. And, you know, again, 23, $24 million a year for a guy that, has meant so much to this franchise, a guy that was a big part of winning an NBA championship. I'll always have the vision of Brooke laying on the ground, <laughs> celebrating on the Pfizer forum floor after that championship um, game winning uh, game six. Uh, you know, I think you, you just have to kind of bring for me. I was breathing a huge sigh of relief. It was, you know, a, a time for celebration <laughs> here, regardless of whether the number came in a little bit high, but I think that surprised me most, honestly, was that the number went high, but then it was only two years, right? And I, I think that's one thing that who knows if we'll ever hear kind of the backstory of how they landed at two years, 48. Um, you know, I think there was discussions that Houston had ultimately offered more than that, which we didn't think they'd be able to do after the Fred Van Fleet signing, but they ended up dumping basically like a bunch of their recent draft picks. You know, KJ Martin, they shipped out for a couple second round picks to L.A., and then they essentially salary dumped uh, Usman Garuba, Josh Christopher, um, and Ty Ty Washington. And, and I believe they actually sent picks out to dump those guys. <laughs> like these are first round picks from the last few years, um, the last two years or so, that basically they sent out to clear more cap space. And there was some grousing in Rockets Twitter that Brooke Lopez may have said he was signing and that they, oh, we, we, he said he was coming and then we dumped the, the, the salary and then he didn't, he went back on his word. I mean, you know, that's bad GMing if, if you didn't make, you know, a trade like that contingent on getting a guy locked up. But at the end of the day, Brooke Lopez is coming back to Milwaukee. That's all that matters. And Kane, I don't know if you were listening to some of the like first day reaction podcasts, but certainly, you know, hoop collective, some of the other podcasts, you know, there was a lot of like, Hey, whatever happens with this Brooke Lopez situation, could go along, you know, has a huge implications for Houston, sure, but even bigger implications for the Eastern Conference and the Milwaukee Bucks as title contenders. So, you know, we talked about it two years ago when he was out. We didn't think the Bucks could win a championship without Brooke Lopez coming back and being close to healthy. We got a more than healthy Brooke Lopez last year, it seemed, with the way he came back from that back injury. And, you know, I think all, again, yes, his age is a concern. You expect to see you know, some decline over the next two years, just, just given that factor, but he's so important and he's been so critical to what the bucks are and what they do 
regardless of Adrian Griffin maybe playing a little bit different defense, this was essential for the Bucks to remain title contenders. And, you know, again, this this offseason has been about two things, bring back Chris, bring back Burke. And um, maybe the numbers were slightly higher in terms of initial salary here for both guys, but um, it's that that piece, the most important piece, is a big mission accomplished for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, the teams that were... Uh, dishing out these big money deals obviously hurt and and then the Houston Rockets hurt and that's always the case if you've got a free agent if there's another team out there that's going to really push that price up because maybe and as you said we'll see whether we find out more of this but as it continued to take longer and Brooke was clearly at least assessing these options I was certainly sitting back and saying well maybe the Rockets would just keep pushing the price up and the Bucks are now going okay well forget whatever the plan was maybe we did have a plan to use the the half mid-level but uh, ultimately that isn't going to be as important to us as keeping brooke lopez because we're going to be have we're going to have a uh a, a not as good player and what i don't know what the heck they were going to do at the center position if he left because most of those guys were already off the board as well so i'm with you uh, i was a little bit surprised by the dollars but it's only two years and we just saw him play his best basketball so I, i'm not too concerned about the decline as you mentioned but jay crowder is an interesting one uh, we're going to get to who is left, and there are a few free agents left, but the Bucks clearly have some holes, so I think that's the conversation we need to get to. Uh, but maybe we'll touch on Jay Crowder a little bit and a one-year deal uh, that he's going to return and really have his first off-season with the Bucks and see what he can bring to the table across an entire season. So we'll do that next after we talk about Price Picks, our sponsor of the show today. And if you haven't heard of Price Picks, well, clearly you're not listening to Locked On Bucks enough. But how does it work? You pick two to six players. And if they score more or less than the prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers those projections on any sport you watch. At the moment, it could be baseball, WNBA, uh, esports, NASCAR. Was there a NASCAR race in Chicago today? I think yeah. there was. Street, uh, street, uh, street course. And it turned into a. Uh disaster it looked like from some of the highlights i watched it did it was probably too smoky they couldn't see where they were driving but the tennis as well it says disc golf here if you want to get in a price picks on disc golf give that a shot uh download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive 100 percent instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on if you deposit 100 they'll give you 100 deposit 50 Price picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. Uh, that's price picks. All right, so as the week rolls on on Locked On Bucks, we'll continue to bring the latest with free agency if there are any further moves to be made on the roster. So keep it here because Locked On Bucks continues to roll through this week and then. A pretty good summer league roster for the Bucks. I know I do it every single year, but I'm excited to watch summer league starting next week. So we'll have post game podcasts for all the Bucks games as well. So it's going to be a whole heap of fun here over the next couple of weeks on Locked On Bucks. We appreciate the support. Uh, Jay Crowder back. I did a solo pod last week, Frank. It just went through some of the numbers, just really highlighting how limited his minutes were with this team last year after coming back so late, not playing through the first basically three quarters of the regular season. He only played 10 games total with Giannis in the regular season. And uh, it looked like uh, Bud was not uh, giving him a long leash in the postseason as things got pretty desperate there at the end. So I always ask the question, how do we know what these guys that have long layoffs are doing? They, They can be working their ass off and they can say they're working their ass off, but it has to be different to a training camp and getting to know uh, playing with different players. And he simply didn't have that chance. 
But I think if you look at the top six or seven guys, like we keep talking about, Frank, firstly, if you bring Brooke Lopez back and you are worried about the body and he's been so durable outside of the back surgery, those years outside of that, he's playing 80 games. Last year, he played 30 minutes per game, Brooke Lopez. So if you want to wind him back a little bit, a key piece of that might be someone like Jay Crowder that you hoped could bring some lineup versatility. So I still have some optimism that in a normal setting this year with this team, he can provide some value. Uh, but either way, with the situation they were in, I was pleased pretty soon after the Brook Lopez deal was announced. So around that time, there was reporting that Jay Crowder would be back because I was just looking at the board and saying, hey, this is a pretty crucial guy uh, that you're actually able to re-sign and, and bring back to the roster. Yeah, I think especially as the ability to use the taxpayer mid-level yep. kind of went out the window, um, you know, with Javon Carter and Joe Ingles going elsewhere, right? Those are the other obvious guys that you could have spent more than a minimum on. So I think keeping Jay, regardless of some of the reservations that we may have about, you know, his role and his fit and, you know, how much he has left in the tank, especially if he's not just playing for, um, I think to me, it's kind of like a very low downside move. Um, I think the interesting thing, you know, I had been sort of placed on my, my thought was like, yeah, maybe he gets, you know, four or 5 million. Um, maybe it's a one plus one, right. One plus the player option as as the, you know, the John horse special. Um, so when it came in at one year, I thought that was very interesting, especially one year given, you know, some of the other things that we've heard, right. Basically the bucks, if they fill out the roster, given the Chris and, and Brooke numbers, as far as we know them and currently where the roster stands, as far as, you know, assuming no trades, which we'll, we'll get to that and the possibility that there may be trades on the horizon. But, uh, but if you look at that, essentially you have, you can get to about 14, you can fill 14 roster spots and basically filling up the, the, the fringe with minimums here um, and stay under the second apron. Only if Jay Crowder is, is basically making close to a minimum, right? It, they actually have, if they only keep 14 roster spots, They'd have about 1.6 million buffer between them and the second apron if Jay Crowder is on a minimum. Now, I'd originally not, again, not thought that Jay Crowder was going to take a minimum contract, right? I mean, you know, he, he came to Milwaukee hoping to get an extension. He came to Milwaukee probably hoping to stay in this that like $10 million range that he had his prior deal on. But obviously, the fact that he signed for the Bucks within a day, I think, tells you that there probably wasn't a ton of interest in him on the marketplace. And the interesting thing about signing for one year is, right, a lot of times when guys sign for one year, they get the one plus one because it's kind of like a team saying, hey, sorry that, you know, we're not offering you more money. We'll at least give you the guarantee of a second year and, you know, sort of like an insurance policy against like, you know, if you're, you tear your ACL in the playoffs and, you know, no one would want to sign you and, you know, you'll at least have, have that, that, uh, that guaranteed pay, payday in the second year, but you'll probably want to opt out if you play well at all, right? So the fact that it didn't, he didn't get like a two year, that it wasn't reported as a two year, and we, we still haven't heard what that number is, but the fact that we still haven't heard what his dollar amount is, and the fact that it wasn't any sort of two year contract, got me to thinking that it may very well be actually a minimum contract for a couple of reasons. One, you know, we talk about minimum contracts, they count for, they all count essentially for, for two, $2 million against the salary cap, but players, depending on their, um, numbers of years of service get more money the longer they've been around. So a 10-year vet gets 3.2 million. The difference of that 
3.2 to two gets is reimbursed actually by the league. So basically the bucks pay 2 million it counts 2 million against the, the, the cap and the tax per, for tax counting purposes, but the league actually pays the player an extra 1.2 million. So, you know, they get more for, for their seniority, if you will. Well, think about it, right? It's not actually that big of a difference. You know, if you were talking like, Oh, maybe you get 4 million and one plus one. Well, if suddenly it's a one year, we know it's a one year deal. If it was a one year, $4 million deal, that's, you know, 800 grand more than just a minimum, right? But it counts far less against the cap and tax for the bucks than if it were $4 million. If, you know, that $2 million difference gets taxed at basically a, a $4 plus multiplier right now, 425 multiplier, given where the bucks are in the tax range. So, you know, for the bucks to go from paying them $4 million to 3.2 million on a minimum that only counts 2 million. It's only 800 grand difference to Jay Crowder, but it's basically over, you know, $10 million in terms of total cash outlay for the team. So they have a huge incentive to push Jay Crowder to try to get that minimum deal. So that might, you know, again, we'll see, maybe he didn't take a minimum. Um, you know, we saw last year, Javon Carter technically didn't take a minimum, but it was a two year deal. And if you take a two-year deal, even if it's a minimum, it doesn't get reimbursed the way I just described. So that's why it's a big deal when you're really up against the tax, you know, when you're really, when you really high tax numbers, et cetera. It's actually a very big deal and a big benefit to get guys on a one-year minimum contract because you get that reimbursement. So that's one kind of thing to consider. We'll see if that proves true with Jay Crowder. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at kind of what Crowder's, you know, has available, I think I know we've talked about it, Kane. You look at his numbers, his numbers in the regular season were actually very good, right? His true shooting percentage was six, 60 some percent. Um, you know, his BPM was almost two, which was at or above where he was the previous couple of years in Phoenix. And that's very good. Um, and all his sort of like rate stats held up really well. Um, you know, you might say like, well, when, when did he do that? Like, it's not like he played a ton. Um, he had that big game in Washington, you know, late in the season when a bunch of guys rested, didn't play a whole lot. Uh, so padded the stats a little bit there, but, you know, played well against Phoenix in the two games against the Suns, hit some big shots against them. Um, and I think for me, you know, the, the thing I keep coming back to with Jay Crowder, you know, the, the question he asked about like, well, what's my role, right? Or, I don't know why they brought me here. I, you know, that I think that hits on the problem. And I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, because you have a lot of guys currently that you can use kind of the, the minutes that you might otherwise use Jay Crowder on. Um, I think it may be a similar situation this year. So I think on the one hand in an off season, Hey, just acquire talent perspective. I think it makes all the sense in the world to acquire him. But in terms of what Jay Crowder is actually going to be doing this year for the Milwaukee bucks, um, you know, absent in. Oh, Frank's frozen. You say, I think he was about to say if there was any injuries, then uh, that would obviously impact what Jay Crowder can do for this team. I, I think clearly the guys that aren't going to be there, if I look at the roster, and and we're going to get to this, I think, in, in just a little bit, but if I look at the guys that uh, aren't there, Joe Ingles isn't going to be there, and he was playing minutes now. They weren't exactly playing the same role, but he was someone on the wing that was going to soak up some of those minutes. I think uh, as Frank comes back, uh, you were talking about the role, but uh, I was just getting to the point that that some of the guys that might be gone, that might soak up some of those minutes. Joe Ingles, obviously, clearly one of those guys. And the other guy that we haven't really heard anything about and we don't know what's going to happen is Wes Matthews. And look, Wes defensively was probably guarding some of the... And he, 
you know, whatever. You can compare whatever the size, the, the role that they're going to play. But West was the guy that Bud, again, leaned on and probably trusted defensively in the postseason. So if West isn't back, it probably bodes well for Jay Crowder in that role there. But there's a couple of veteran guys, at least, that aren't there. And then we'll probably have some people in the YouTube comments that are screaming for Bochamp to get more minutes in some of those roles as well. So I think how the roster fills out with these last two guys is probably going to impact uh, what you were talking about, Frank. Yeah, and I think just to kind of put a bow on Crowder, I mean, I think one thing I heard was that he was trying to get down his weight this offseason. I think he probably was a little bit heavier last year than he ultimately wanted to be. And, you know, again, like you can work out all you want you know, in an empty gym in while everybody else is playing basketball, but until you're playing actual games, right. Even practicing, right. Like it's just hard to get into game shape unless you're getting real minutes. And it, you know, I think probably if, if, you know, you, you had Jay comment on, we'll see what he says, um, you know, on media day uh, in October about it, or, or we'll see if he makes any comments uh, between now and then. But I think you would probably say that, you know, he wants to get his weight down a little bit, um, wants to get a little fitter, get into better shape. And it's just hard to do that, you know, when you're you're not with a, ba- a professional basketball team getting getting game time. And so that, you know, for, for as much as his productivity may have been surprisingly good coming back in the regular season, I think probably the playoffs, you know, sort of highlighted like, you know, the, the playoffs are very different from the regular season. The regular season is very different from, you know, just getting shots up and, and going through off-season workouts, which is basically what he was doing during the season. So, um so, yeah, so hopefully, you know, uh, getting a, a full uh, training camp and, and being with the team from the start of the season kind of gives him a leg up on getting to a better place. But, again, I, I still don't feel like we really have a necessarily a good sense of what Jay Crowder's role is going to be. Um, so, again, is that going to be, be an issue? Is there maybe an understanding with, with Jay, between Jay and the front office, that he might get traded if he's not getting the opportunities that, that he wants, because again, I mean, he's auditioning for another contract, right? He, he was hoping for one big payday, didn't get it. Um, so I'm, I doubt he's a guy that is going to be happy if he's, you know, catching DNPs or playing, you know, 10 minutes a night um, in the first few months of the season. So kind of stay tuned on that. And again, if he plays, hopefully it's because he's playing well and not because of just injuries or something like that. But right now with Bobby Portis still on the roster and the number one choice is sort of the backup four or five, um, and Giannis being, you know, your superstar uh, starting power forward. Um, again, unless you're really force feeding Jay those kind of small forward minutes, which I don't think that's his, that's really his position anymore. But as you said, with Joe, Joe Ingles out, um, maybe maybe that in particular becomes an area where you know he gets some of the backup Chris Middleton minutes um, in order to just maybe get get him some time and and honestly just sort of like see if he can hack it at that spot. All right. What names are left on the board then? There's a few. I've got a free agent tracker list in front of me, so let's get to some of those names next as the Bucks potentially add some new faces. I mentioned this at the live pod last week. I mentioned this on Friday night. I think everyone gets a little bit excited about the idea of bringing in new names, Frank. And uh, so far, it's been a little bit quiet on that front. The Bucks obviously had their main priorities, uh, but... To this stage, we're just waiting to see if there's going to be any more names. I'm just going through some of the the bigger names, I guess, that are on this list in front of me. And again, we're dealing with you know, minimum contracts here. But uh, and unless some of these have happened over the last few hours, but you look at Malik Beasley and Will Barton, uh, Dario Saric I saw was linked somewhere there. But 
uh, Kendrick Nunn, a- another name that's on this list in front of me, Terrence Davis, uh, George Hill. Surely they're not going through uh, that that again, are they? They, they? they might. Your man, Derek Jones Jr. is still there. Uh, Frank Robin Lopez, of course. Maybe he wants to return. Wes Matthews, as we discussed. Uh, even Bismack Biombo played a fair bit of basketball last year, but I'm not sure that's exactly what they need. Austin Rivers, a guy that has been linked to the Bucks in the past. So there are definitely some recognizable names there. But I, I guess for Milwaukee, when I look at it, I'm still looking at the guard positions. As you lose Javon Carter, is there a guard that you're going to need on this roster? But what are you looking at as this continues to update every time we podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's still some, you know, kind of shooting guard, small forward type type guys that I think are are at least interesting, you know, and be could be worth a flyer. Um, I think the... I think the, the, the question I have when I look at the Bucks roster now and probably the, the thing that would most lead me to think that they are actively exploring some potential trades is the backup point guard position, right? And, you know, you mentioned some of the names that, that are still out there. I mean, it, it's gotten pretty significantly thinned out, right? Guys that we mentioned, um, you know, prior to the start of free agency, who, who could be of interest there. Shake Milton got essentially the taxpayer mid-level. Dennis Smith Jr., I believe, took a minimum to go to Brooklyn. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is still available. He kind of had a, d- a down year, then um, rediscovered maybe a little bit of his form in Washington. Um, but a guy that has, you know, been at a pretty reasonable level in some some prior years and is, is still relatively young. But also had a year that was basically completely lost in LA to, to a knee injury. Um, you know, we talked about, again, not necessarily that we were interested, but Derek Rose has signed with Memphis. So he's off the board as well. Um, so in terms of like the kind of guys that could actually be like a backup point guard, um, which, you know, I think again, for the bucks is a concern to me, not just because you lost Javon Carter, but because, you know, basically Joe Ingles was essentially, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of quarterbacking the offense through significant portions of, of, you know, the sort of the backup minutes, um, uh, you know, after he came back starting in December, um, you know, where is that playmaking going to come from? I think the obvious answer would be like, well, hopefully you have a healthy Chris Middleton, that would be helpful. Um, but you know, Chris Middleton, isn't your backup point guard. And as much as Giannis can handle the ball, I mean, you know, we know he'll continue to do that to a certain extent, but, um, you know, I think we all feel like, especially after watching the playoffs, like, man, they, they need another kind of organizer guy who can handle the ball. So, um, you know, unless they're going to sign again, like Corey Joseph just signed for the Warriors today. He was another guy that I thought could be a, a solid option in that regard. Again, not particularly exciting, but at least an option, an option in that regard. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it's not Kendrick Nunn, man, I don't know. I mean, Aaron holiday, I was, you know, if we, if we need to get some of our brothers in here, like Aaron holiday is, is okay. But again, not a guy that I'm looking at and saying, I want Aaron holiday as a guy in my, you know, eight man playoff rotation in the East finals or something like that. So I think all that makes me just kind of think, you know, we talked about Justin's comment at the live pod about the starting shooting guard for the Milwaukee bucks in the playoffs next year is not yet on this roster. I also feel like the backup point point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs is not yet on this roster. And who knows, maybe there are, you know, are players out there who could potentially be 
kind of the answer to, to maybe both of those questions. You know, if they went and decided to get another ball handler to start next to Drew um, and then stagger those guys uh, throughout the game so that you always had one of them on the floor um, playing point guard. Um, you know, Monte Morris was a guy that we had previously talked about in that regard. Uh, he was traded to the Pistons. DeLon Wright, less of a playmaker, um, more of an off-ball guy, honestly, um, still in Washington. Again, could be an option. Um, you know, I think there's been some very uh, active speculation on Buck's Twitter about, you know, is there some play for Colin Sexton in Utah, um, which would be pretty challenging just because of uh, his salary slot being um, around 17 million. So right away, like you're basically having to include two of Connaughton, Portis and, and Grayson Allen just to, just to make contracts work. Right. Which obviously would then raise questions about other portions of the roster. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think I, I'm really curious just to see like what conversations the Bucks are even having right now about that position. And the fact that obviously the Brook, um, negotiation dragged out. I mean, again, took a day, so that's not really that long. You know, previous years, um, we've seen a lot of bigger name players take a lot longer to make decisions. But um, yeah, it obviously, I think kind of put the Bucks in a bit of a holding pattern as far as figuring out, you know, would they even have a portion of the TPMLE to use, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but by the same token, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing some pretty decent players sign for minimum contracts. In other words, guys that you could have signed, you know, regardless of what was happening with Brooke, um, whether it's, you know, Eric Gordon today, we, we heard some indication that the Bucks were at least mm-hmm. making a play for Eric Gordon, which we talked about the other day. I, I think Eric Gordon would have been a great fit again, older. So you know, certainly wouldn't, would not have been an injection of youth, but um, you know, they, they could have offered Eric Gordon basically a starting shooting guard position, right? Which I'm curious if that was part of the, the wooing process, like what, um, type of uh, assurances or, or what sort of offer was made in terms of not just dollars, which wouldn't have been that impressive, but he signed for a minimum contract. So, uh, but, you know, Bucks, I think could have offered certainly a bigger role than what he's going to get in Phoenix, where, you know, pretty sure, pretty sure that Bradley Beal and Devin Booker are going to be the starting two guards um, uh, most games for the Phoenix Suns. Now, maybe Eric Gordon says, well, those guys are always hurt. So, <laughs> so I'll get some chances, but, um, but, you know, Hey, if Eric Gordon had come to Milwaukee, I mean, I think you can make a good case. He's might've been a better option than, than certainly Grayson Allen as a, as a starting shooting guard. So, you know, unfortunately didn't get that one. And now we continue to wait um, and see what, what the bucks might do. But um, you know, again, as, as you mentioned, there, there are some other guys still out there, but you know, is anybody excited about Edmund, Edmund Sumner or, you know, RJ Hampton, um, I, again, I like Javante Green a fair bit. Um, I think the guy, I think honestly, the guys that that maybe of most, probably maybe the most intriguing guy who is still out there. Who, again, is he going to take a minimum contract from the Milwaukee Bucks? I don't know, but we have heard at least the Bucks are interested. Is Malik Beasley, and um, you know we talked about him at the trade deadline last year. Uh, he's coming. I forget what his contract was, but I mean he was like in like the sixteen million dollar range or something like that. So this would be a significant reduction for a guy who has made a, a decent chunk of money, but um, is still fairly young and looking to get paid. He's not ring chasing at this point, but, you know, Beasley, an intriguing guy, absolutely high volume, three point gunner, much higher volume than someone like Grayson Allen. But again, due to some of the concerns around size and defense, 
mean, he fell out of the, the Lakers playoff rotation entirely. Right. So again, just a reminder, like some of these guys, like, you know, you could, you, these guys, you know, Malik Beasley versus Malik Monk, right? Like why did Malik Beasley get benched and Malik Monk flourished in that first round series for Sacramento? Again, some of it's just luck, I think, but um, you know, again, that's why these guys are, are out here looking for, for payday still um, in the case of Malik Beasley, but at, at the minimum, you know, again, if you get a guy that can be a rotation guy for you, uh, that's probably about as, as good as you can hope for. And again, I'm not even talking about a playoff, you know, 16 game type player. I'm just talking about a guy that can actually eat minutes for you and be productive during the regular season. Um, if you can get a guy that actually can start in the playoffs like that, that's a home run. Uh, but uh, I think in practice, Bucks probably going to have to sharpen their pencils given where they are financially and, uh, and potentially need to make some sort of trade in order to, to kind of address some of the, the gaps they have, especially I think at that kind of ball handler playmaker spot. Well, it's going to keep things interesting over the next few days or maybe the next few weeks as well. But I guess if you're a Bucks fan and you want to be optimistic, you've mentioned this a couple of times, this is the stage of free agency where sometimes guys just don't really have any other options other than minimums. And they might look at a team like Milwaukee and say, all right, well, I saw Bobby Portis make himself some money here. I saw Pat Connaughton make himself some money and maybe that's attractive. So we'll see uh, what happens. But let us know the last names that are on the free agency list, if that's the path the Bucks are going down, uh, who interests you? And I already know you're all going to put in your trade uh, ideas there, including for um, one particular big name that looks like he might be heading to the East, but not necessarily Milwaukee. So let us know about everything uh, we discussed on today's show from Lopez to Crowder to the remaining free agents in the state of this roster. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, maybe there's some updates, Frank. Maybe yeah. something happens. And, and Kane, one thing just to note too, like now that the Bucks have not used the taxpayer mid-level and, Absent a trade, there's really not a path for them to use the tax pyramid level. They are not hard capped, okay? And and as we've said, I mean, the only big incentive to avoid going over the second apron this coming season is to give yourself an, an uh, the option of using the tax pyramid level. So if we're saying that that's out of play at this point, it's not really a big deal if they go over the second apron by some small amount. Um, you know, and especially too, I mean, even if they wanted to get under that for any practical reason, um, if that's just like a budgetary number that they're setting, uh, you know, you can do that during the season as well with other moves. But, you know, for instance, as far as like potential trades, things like that, um, you know, there is now, I, I think we're now at the point where um, they'd be limited this season at bringing in only 110% of salary going out. That's for any team above the first apron. Um, so they're already going to be limited used to be 125%. Now it's 110%. Uh, but if they were to take back more salary and that puts them over the second apron or something like that, I mean, again, that, that doesn't practically change a whole lot. It is really punitive right now. Uh, you know, in terms of adding cost on the margin from a tax perspective, but that's kind of the same as it has been, you know, in previous years, aside from the fact that they're now in the repeater tax, but, but overall, you know, right now, if they stay, um, if they if they basically fill out the roster, get to 14 spots, um, I think they'd be at about 228 million in terms of total payroll, including taxes. Last year they were at 260. Okay, so you know right now they're kind of trending towards a, a, a fairly significant decrease in total payroll, um, which again will be harder to drive up significantly just because the salary matching rules and things like that. So um, they're probably going to be you know at this point a fair bit under where they were last year as far as total payroll. Um, 
when they don't have a lot of flexibility or a lot of levers in order to add much beyond that. But um, again, they have limitations as far as, you know, doing anything but but minimum signing. So uh, we'll see if they finally start adding guys. The NASA's, once the NASA's going to get his contract, we'll see. Um, but uh, but certainly I'm very curious to see if they are, if they have been working on potential trades because there's still some obvious needs on this roster that they need to address. Yeah, and it's been reported more than once about different guys that they were actually looking at. So I don't think it would surprise anyone if they are definitely still sniffing around uh, the trade table and seeing if they can uh, upgrade this roster or make moves. All right, as I said, we'll be back, but uh, drop your comments, uh, subscribe, do all the things that uh, we love you to do. It's free to do. We really appreciate it. Uh, For Frank and myself, we appreciate you watching today. We'll catch you all tomorrow.